Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Channel Chat. I'm your host, Pam Fretwell, and today with me, I'm excited to have again grain marketing expert Matt Bennett back on our podcast. Now, remember, if you like what you hear on our podcast, make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that anytime we release a new episode of Channel Chat, you'll be the first to know about it. Well, Matt, today we want to go over some of the uh, massive amounts of information that's been released today. And the reason why I say that, since the government shutdown, we've seen a lot of backlog reports finally from the USDA being released, but we didn't even have that January report. Do you think that that made a difference in today and, and how it's being absorbed by the markets or what's going on? Let's kind of get into what was said and then maybe people's reaction to that. Well, you know, coming into the report, that was the perception is that a huge data dump that we were going to be looking at was going to end up being uh, the catalyst for a fair amount of volatility, a lot of swings, everyone trying to figure out which data to focus upon. Uh, and then you came in here at 11 o'clock for the report and uh, a few things jump out at you. But the one thing that I wanted to point out to most of the people that I've been talking to lately in some of the channel meetings and other meetings that I've been putting on is that everyone's eyes were going to end up being focused upon supply and demand. What does the carryout look like? Uh, because at, at the first look, if you just look at yield, shoot, you know, we dropped the corn yield two and a half bushels, uh, getting the uh, corn from, you know, 178.9 down to 176.4. That's a pretty big drop, and if that was the first thing that you might look at, you might have said, holy cow, this is a very friendly report. You know, you, you start looking at the uh, carryout. And, and for corn, it, it certainly wasn't a bearish number by any means. I mean, we dropped uh, from 178 down to 173, uh, but some people were hoping for less than a 17. And so, you know, world stocks, pretty much a non-event. The quarterly stocks for December 1st were actually a little bit friendly, but that's what you had, a little friendly a non-event. Uh, and in the grand scheme of things, we ended up settling the day without a whole lot of fanfare. And the beans, they were down a little bit too. And Argentina had a lot lower production than what we thought they were going to have. And that's good as far as, because we've got a lot of soybeans out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the thing that I'd like to point out, you know, from a world perspective on soybeans, we did drop uh, your carry number uh, down to 106 million metric ton, which was a large drop from the 115 we had in December. That would uh, appear to be friendly, but you keep in mind that coming into the 17-18 marketing year, uh, we had 97.5 million metric tons of soybeans in the world. So, uh, yes, we dropped back from what we thought we were going to have as far as December was concerned. But, you know, at the same time, we've got all kinds of beans. And so, you know, a person can't get uh, themselves too bulled up there. Uh, we've got to keep in mind in the grand scheme of things that we're not running into any sort of global shortage when it comes to soybeans. And I think that's part of the reason or, or the effect that we have of these USDA reports is that the farmers are really kind of seeing, okay, does this help me with my planning intentions? And did this report help anybody today? Well, that's a wonderful question, and I think that's something that can be debated for quite some time. Uh, with me looking at it uh, from my vantage point, I've got to ask myself a few questions. You know, if we were to come out with a very bullish report today uh, with regards to corn, you know, what would that have done to this type of marketing year we're looking at? Uh, what kind of impact would that have had on acreage? Because I think uh, it's no secret that especially the Western Corn Belt struggled with a very wet fall. 
uh, harvest was tough, didn't get a lot of field work done, not to mention uh, not very many people in the entire Corn Belt was able to put a whole lot of nitrogen on. Uh, and again, it's no secret, nitrogen costs have uh, gone up substantially since last fall. And so there are some uh, real questions, some real concerns already on what kind of acreage we might be looking at. But those questions and concerns could be answered pretty quickly with a very sharp rally in corn. Uh, today doesn't suggest that we're going to see any sort of sharp rallying corn uh, previous to planting unless uh, something comes out that none of us are currently looking at. So we didn't get that catalyst for the rally that we were hoping for. You know, and so that question for me is, uh, what does this mean? Well, I think that when you keep bean prices stabilized, like we saw today, uh, and corn prices not taking off and going higher, uh, that would suggest to me that acreage uh, switching might not be as vast as some people have said that the, it might be. And so as far as I'm concerned, this this might have been a, a really good report in the grand scheme of things because uh, I'm not so sure that you are able to pull uh, the kind of corn acres uh, from soybeans uh, given the current price uh, ratio that we're looking at. And so that is going to put a fair amount of pressure this year, in my opinion, on the corn market. If we end up with a 3 million acre or less switch to have really, really good weather over the summer because uh, there's a lot of question marks with regards to this crop. So I know you do a lot of meetings across the country. What are farmers telling you about getting ready to plant corn this uh, spring? So, uh, you know, I was just in Iowa on the 7th of February uh, the day before the report, and uh, bottom line, uh, the producers that I talked to there said, yes, we still want to plant as much corn as what we originally intended on, uh, but we've got a lot of question marks. We're going to try to get the corn planted, uh, but it's probably not going to be in the ideal conditions because most of the producers I spoke with did not get much till it's done. And so, yes, we may get the acres planted, but if we're not planted in the ideal conditions like we have been the last couple of years, we're not really setting the the framework for a bumper crop. And I'll tell you what, with the kind of demand that we've built into this uh, corn usage situation, boy, we have to uh, uh, be well aware that if acreage is anything short of a 3 million or, or more switch, then what the heat is really going to be on. Uh, we need this spring to be a good early spring where we can get a fair amount of work done. Uh, there's going to be a major strain upon uh, nitrogen uh, infrastructure and uh, in, in anhydrous ammonia in my part of the world uh, did not get put on this past fall. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of significant challenges ahead, and I think the market's going to be well aware of that. So a wet spring could maybe be a little more highly scrutinized this year uh, than what we've seen in the past. And if you add on top of that any sort of a summer weather market, which we didn't get in 2018, I don't know that I remember two years in a row uh, where we didn't have some sort of a summer weather scare. So I think we're setting this market up for you know a decent amount of volatility moving forward. How many opportunities for volatility then do you think we have? Because obviously we thought we were going to have uh, some good things happen today and it just didn't happen. Does that have to do with all of this, the new tariffs and, uh, and the talks and all those different kinds of things? Has that got an impact on it too? Yeah, I believe that it does. I mean, there's certainly a cloud hanging over the market. You know, if we'd already had a deal made with uh, China that they were actually going to buy uh, for instance, uh, a set amount of uh, soybeans and corn, that, which has been discussed. Uh, I don't think there's any question that this report would have maybe been viewed with, in a little more favorable light 
I just think that there's a little bit of a cloud hanging over us for the time being. And so we certainly want to see something kind of come to a close here before March 1st. We don't want to see any uh, additional increase in tariffs again, because if we do, I think it's going to be hard on uh, the economy as a whole. Uh, but certainly ag economy is not going to be spared in that matter. And so definitely a fair amount of concern there. And I think some of the money that could be flowing into these commodities right now probably sitting on the sidelines uh, in a, a bit of a wait-and-see approach. But I think in the grand scheme of things, given the supply and demand fundamentals for the U.S. situation, you know, our stocks-to-use ratio is as tight as it's been in quite some time. And so even if we still have this cloud hanging over us, at some point the market could come take over and, and lead to a price discovery system uh, that is going to end up driving prices higher if we have any sort of inclement weather here in 2019. So, Matt, another subject we haven't even talked about really is the government shutdown. They're talking about possibly having another one on the 15th. What kind of an impact could that have on our farmers and the markets going forward? The first shutdown, we certainly missed out on the January crop report, which is what made uh, this February crop report all the more interesting. Typically, the February crop report is kind of a uh, no big deal type situation. <laughs> this year, though, we rolled a whole bunch of data you know, into into this one report. And so uh, you ask yourself, what about the March report? March report's not a huge deal. What's a big deal is at the end of March, whenever we get the planning intentions report, which is probably one of the, if not the biggest report that we see uh, whenever it comes to volatility, there's a lot of anticipation there. Uh, and so if we would have some sort of a shutdown that would last uh, you know, six to seven weeks, that that would be a huge report to miss. And it would be very hard on the trade, in my opinion, maybe one of the tougher things that we would have to uh, get across because it typically sets the tone for the market, uh, especially in that early spring time period. And so I certainly don't want to see something like that happen. But, uh, you know, I, I as far as the political uh, situation goes, uh, I wouldn't have a clue to tell you whether we're going to be looking at that happen or not. I just uh, hope that it doesn't. All right. Well, Matt, thanks again for joining us on our podcast today. It's always exciting and informative to hear your insights on uh, these grain marketing topics. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed our discussion today, make sure that you sign up for Matt's weekly grain marketing emails. You can do that by visiting www dot channel dot com and get matt's insights delivered directly to your inbox and finally don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode of our channel chat podcast thanks for being with us today i'm pam frutwell